What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Less than three weeks away from the, fingers crossed, scheduled start of training camp. And Tears Week continues here on Fantasy Football Today. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to leave a nice Apple Podcast review. Really appreciate it. I'd also like to address one of the negative Apple Podcast reviews that we received. Something that um, I think is worth addressing. So... I will do that. Today, we're going to talk about some high-risk... We'll do that now. Come on. Don't say that's for the end. Okay, I'll do it in just a moment. High-risk, high-reward players and food items. Um, I, I asked, like, what's a, what's a high-risk, high-reward food? I got, like, 250 responses or something crazy like that. So uh, we can go through some of those. But Amazing. Everybody has opinions on food. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, I guess I should just be talking and tweeting about food. It'll make me more popular. All right, Jamie, you want me to address it? Yes. Well, it's kind of your fault. Um, okay. Is it Jamie interrupting Adam a lot? Because that's already happened now. <laughs> no. No, it's somebody uh, really didn't like the Azer analytics where I sort of... Yeah, I'll, read you the, I'll read you what it said. Two stars. Stop using Azer analytics. I can't pinpoint exactly why I rated this show at two, but yet I listen to it every day. All the analysts are solid, five out of five, but it's really strange mixing in objective statistical analysis with Azer's when you eliminate his first and last game on even numbered years in which a full moon occurred inside, etc. <laughs> but I Preach. I really want to This is my fault. Tell yeah, because you call me out on it all the time and you exaggerate <laughs> it like so much. I really tr- I truly, truly do these things to give what I believe are the most representative sample sizes. So like I'm not gonna give you Josh Allen's 16 game pace. When he barely threw five passes in week 17. I'm going to give you his 16-game pace based on the first 15 games. I'm not going to, you know, there are other examples of that. Here's how you should phrase that, though. Here's Josh Allen and what he did in the fantasy season. Like, like Well, but that only works for him. I'm just saying that I'm trying to, I've been, I've been trying to, it helps me anyway, to compare (laughs) 16-game paces. So I figured it would be helpful. So that's what I do a lot. And... When you do that, I often remove games where players left early with injury. I almost always do. So I think that's very important. I'm not trying to do these. I'm not trying to make a a personal opinion by manipulating statistics. So I promise you, everybody, when I do that is truly for your benefit. Um, You know, Mark. I like when you do it. Yeah, well, you you like it because you like to tease me. 
<laughs> Mark Ingram left week 16. He played like 40% of the snaps. I don't really want to count that as part of his pace. I think you get what a is, better representative representation of his pace if you look at 14 games for him instead of 15, you know? What is your typical cutoff, though, when you eliminate a game? Is it is he only played a quarter? Is he only played a half? Three quarters? Yeah. Like, what, what do you throw out? I mean, less than a half out. Could you please calculate Matt Breida's 2019 16-game pace for me, please? <laughs> I don't know. Why? <laughs> He left like seven oh. games. Yeah, the, you know, the, the difficult guy with that, who is it that, oh, James Conner. Like, I just, before this show, I put together a spreadsheet of uh, 24 running backs, the top 24 in Dave's tiers that we'll get to, and the amount of touches they had based on 16 games, Azerfied, removing some, you know, partial games. <laughs> I assume you removed the time that Jordan Howard was yes. beating out Miles Sanders. Okay. I, so for Miles Sanders, for yeah, and that's the thing. Like, that's a great example, right? For Miles Sanders... I have him at 318 touches, which ranked 12th. Uh, and that is only six games before. It says that was without Jordan Howard and not including week 17 when he got hurt, left with an injury. So, yes, I understand it sounds silly, but I truly believe that when you are trying to think about how many touches Miles Sanders is going to get, those six games are the ones that really matter and the ones that we should be using to make our best guesses. Do you give Josh Jacobs his week uh, two, I think it was, week week two game against the Chiefs when I think he played a half, but he had 12 carries for 99 yards in the half? I did do that, but maybe I shouldn't have. And there are ones that I'm going to miss, unfortunately. Jacobs, by the way, came out pretty high on this. He was uh, 11th, 323 touches, including that game. So he probably would would have been even higher. Um, his 16-game pace was 323 touches. And, uh, you know, one of the things when I looked at these touches is like, why do people like Nick Chubb? Some do, some don't. Why do people like Nick Chubb more than Josh Jacobs? Jacobs was on pace for more touches? And 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 that's if I used the eight games of with Kareem Hunt. You know, so, so that's... <laughs> But that's, you know, what would you use for, for Nick Chubb? Would you use the full 16? Would you look at just the games with Kareem Hunt? I think the ones with Kareem Hunt are more telling, personally. Well, they're telling because that's what you're expecting to see this year. We're not expecting Kareem Hunt to miss half the year and put Nick Chubb in a position to exactly. rack up the So I understand I, that I'm going to get laughed we at just, for it. But. Let's, sorry, let's not do running back tears today. I just want to go through this list. And every player, <laughs> I'd like to know which games of their okay. season you counted and didn't count. And then we'll find games you either should or shouldn't have counted. Okay, like how ahead. many of Josh Jacobs' <laughs> games did you count where he had to share with Jalen Richard and Lynn Bowden? I had none of them. Right, because right. it hasn't happened yet. So we'll see what that does to his touch count. I, you know what, though? I kind of feel like Josh Jacobs would have had about the same or more touches, about the same as Nick Chubb. It's just Which Aaron Jones games did you take out? I didn't take out any Aaron Jones games. He played 16 games. But he had some games where there was no Jamal Williams. Yeah, and some I could have done no that. Fonte I could have done that. I know. I know. Really I know. <laughs> this is not a perfect exercise, but he's so far <laughs> down the list. He's 18th on the list. Um, I get it. So you're you're taking what you think is going to happen in 2020 and then find the games where it did happen, personnel-wise, in 2019, and then you extrapolate that over 16 so games. So with Austin Eckler, did you only count the games where there was no Melvin Gordon? Since Melvin right. Gordon? Like, that's sure. a tougher one. I actually so have two numbers. I have two. Who numbers. I have two. review? I don't know. I have two different numbers for Austin Eckler because he was the most difficult one. How many stars, Jamie? <laughs> who wrote who wrote this review? Who cares? 
No, I care. Who was it? Who was it? Who, I don't know. I'll, I'll look. I'll find it. You're because the review may be two stars, but the the review of the review is five. Yeah. Uh, who I, who wrote it? Let's see. Stop using Azer Analytics. Um, from I don't even think there's a name. Boss in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. <laughs> Anyway, I do my best. I do my very best to give the best data that I can. I don't do Which it. Which games did you use for Raheem Mostert? <laughs> his last five games. <laughs> That's what yeah. you use for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I used college. No, oh, Damian Williams is a good one. He missed some time. So what actually, I didn't include the rookies, Dave, in, in this, obviously. So your top 24 non-rookies. Um, do you want to know who had the most touches? McCaffrey by a mile. Fournette. Dalvin Cook, Zeke, Barkley, Derrick Henry, Chris Carson at number seven. Uh, and there you go. Okay, well, anyway, thank you for letting me get that off my chest. I promise I'm not trying to manipulate data. I'm trying to help. No, thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> yes. That was one of my favorite segments in a while. No, but, but, like, you know, you never really remove games that guys leave with injury, I feel. I feel like you should. I, I think I am Depends. just as Do you like the guy or does, does he do not like the guy? <laughs> yeah, I, I am just as consistent as you. I, I do that whenever it helps me make my point. <laughs> That's not what I do. All right, when he talks notes. about Gardner Minshew, that game in London has never been brought up once. I just talk about his splits in the United States because they're not That's going right, to right. London this year because yeah. of That's COVID. Right. So okay. like, what he did over there doesn't really matter. All right, fair point. All right, so speaking of uh, of COVID, we got some in, in, an interesting development with this face shield. Very cool stuff. The Oakley face shield, you know, the mouth shield is going to be distributed to teams next week. They claim to have you know invented this mouth shield that will be very difficult for droplets to, I guess, get in and out. So that's cool, and hopefully technology can help us along in this whole thing. Meanwhile, this was a great quote. Dan Snyder and Coach Rivera are working to closely... De- are working closely to develop a new name and design approach that will enhance the standing of our proud tradition, rich franchise and inspire our sponsors, fans and community for the next 100 years. And good job by the Washington franchise to list sponsors first, Mm. since that was clearly what was the deciding factor in this. Um, And on yesterday's show, it is for us Monday afternoon, but you're hearing it on Tuesday. On Monday show, um, we talked about the Red Tails, and what the Red Tails is um, a, a nod to the planes flown by the Tuskegee Airmen, an all-black squadron of fighter and bomber pilots who fought in World War II and were the first black military aviators in the United States Armed Forces. That was from Jared Dubin, and that is why uh, I'm rooting for Red Tails. It would be awesome right now. <sighs> How are you guys? I'm hanging in there. Good. All right, you're going to be pretty hungry at the end of this show. I got a lot of food talk on this one. As opposed to every other show that I do. <laughs> uh, promotion, remember to help us out with uh, with podcast awards. The link is in the episode description. Remember to watch us tonight, Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern on Twitch, twitch.com slash FF today. Become a subscriber and have some exclusive opportunities and a chance to be in a Twitch league with us. And we're going to be doing a non-PPR mock draft. And make sure you check out all of our other podcasts, cbsports.com slash podcasts. I feel like I've talked a lot, so I'm done for now. Here we go. Your running back tears. The, this is from Dave, by the way. There's Dave's tears. The uh, super elite, Dave, New York style cheese pizza. The unbeatable super elite tier of pizza. It must be a lot better than the New York style pepperoni pizza I had. It is. You went to like a tourist trap in Times Square. So, yes. 
Uh, Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook. That's it, right? No. Dave has Miles Sanders in this tier. What? Get him in there. All right. I see a path, I see a path to 1,500 total yards and 10 touchdowns for him. Not even close to good enough. These other guys are 2,000 total yards at 1,800. Well, the ones at the top definitely are. I, I, I suppose we could make the case for Dalvin Cook to still be in there. I don't know if Dalvin can get to 2,000 total. Uh, well, if you want me to crunch some math for you. <laughs> His first 11 games, he was on pace for 2,141, 2,141 yards. All right. Yeah. Um, I bet his 16-game pace was probably pretty close to 1900 something like that um but but no but but like I, we all know about the top five but you put miles sanders in there is that just because you think he's around one guy or because you really I think, think he's, he's around a- one guy i think of all the other running backs that are not included in the 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 obvious names i think he's the one that has the best chance to to nail a top five finish at running back. Maybe one of the top five running backs that get drafted gets hurt. Maybe Dalvin Cook's holdout lasts a lot longer than we think. Uh, I think Sanders could jump right into that mix. I think he'll be a first rounder in 2021 as well. Uh, Heath, Jamie, any thoughts? um, If I had running back tiers, I think Christian McCaffrey would be tier one. I get that. I totally understand because no one else is... it you rarely see McCaffrey not go with the one point oh one. Like how many Scott Fishbowl drafts were there where McCaffrey wasn't one on one? There was one person who reached Probably out a lot. on Twitter. Yeah, I don't think it's that many. Well, uh, there was one person flex. who reached out who got CMC at one point oh three. And I was like, You win. Like that's yeah. a it's a gift from the fantasy gods that you had two schmoes in your I don't life. know if that's going for a minute if that's if that's the case, because you know, taking Mahomes or Lamar first overall is not a bad play given what the quarterback scoring is, especially, you know, Mahomes, given what his accuracy should be. So uh, I think he's, I, I saw a lot of leagues where McCaffrey wasn't first. It was Mahomes. Uh, in some cases it was Jackson. So um, I think that uh, the five guys stand out by themselves. I think Sanders belongs in the next group with guys like Mixon and depending on format, Henry, um, Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb, you know, the, that, that next group of guys, uh, Eckler, Drake, you know, that, that, that's a, um, you know, it, it's probably six or seven deep, but uh, you can still take these guys in the first round. You're going to see them go in the first round. So I don't know if you want to put the first round designation on on the reason why somebody should be in one tier or the other, because we're going to see a very heavy running back laden first round. So um, I think Sanders is great. I think he's got a chance for a big season. Um, I think you're right, Adam. I don't think he has the same upside as the five guys in front of him. Um, I would That's take Mixon over Sanders per, per, per se. Um, I, I would take Jacobs over him in non PPR. Uh, and you know, again, in PPR, you look at Drake and Eckler and what they're capable of doing. I think they're better than Sanders also. So, um, he's got a huge ceiling, but I don't think putting him in the same category as McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke, uh, Kamara and, and cook is the right way to go. Well, let me just clarify. The something. Record. Oh, yeah. No, I was not saying though, that I don't think Sanders has the upside. I was just saying Dave gave a number. I think it was like six. No, I'm, 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 what, right. what you said is what I'm agreeing with. The the, the 2,000 total yards, I don't think he's going to get there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even I think that that's hard for him to get to, but I think it's going to be hard for a lot of other running backs not named McCaffrey, Barkley, Lee, Elliott. I don't right. think Sanders gets to 1,800 total yards. I think those other guys do it. The which, other guys on the, the tier. 
the other guys that should be in tier one, which is those first five guys. Okay. Yeah, sure. That's fine to say. And um, I will say in non-PPR, I'd have Derrick Henry in tier one. I, I was trying to get that out for the last 60 seconds, but Derrick Henry is absolutely <laughs> a non-PPR tier one running back. And I think Chubb belongs in that group too. And you could probably make the case for Joe Mixon as well. Okay, yeah, these are strictly PPR tiers. Thank you. I should have clarified that. Um, and uh, okay, I think... It, yeah, we can move on. But I think, you know, one thing that might be helpful is instead of thinking about rounds with these running backs, maybe we should think about them in terms of auction dollars. You know, does Miles Sanders come even close to Dalvin Cook in auction values? No. And that's a good thing. Should he? I mean, okay, let's let's put numbers on it. $200 budget, Christian McCaffrey is what? 70 uh, I would even 75. Go, yeah, I would, I would, I'd be in between those, but over 70, like if he's the first name nominated, I, I would go at least 72 and Dalvin cook. Who's going to be RB five for for many, many people. It would be what? 60, 45 for me. I'm going to be 45. closer to 60 than 45, but I think if he were the first name off, I probably would try to get him for like 53. Okay. 53. And Heath, I know you're, you're a little concerned about it, Cook with the injuries. Well, yeah, I mean, the injuries are a little bit of a concern and the like he's probably not going to hold out, but there's still that whole thing too. Yeah, right there. there yeah, there's a lot that could go sideways for Cook, more so than any of these other running backs that we're talking about, that's, at least in August. That looks like a really gross drink. Is it just a gross bottle? Or? It's water in a bottle. Okay, yeah, it looks gross. Green bottle, like green. Uh, green drinks are bad. So, um... Anyway, my question was 70 for Sanders, somewhere 50 to 60 for Cook. How much, or 70 for McCaffrey, sorry. 50, 60 right. for Cook. How much for, for Miles Sanders? I would try to spend below 50, but if I had to go 50, I love him, so I would do it. 36. Yeah, I would say closer to 50. But I mean, that's, you know, when you start talking about that, $10 drop off is, is putting him in a different tier. Okay. All right. Then the next tier, near elite. This would be Chicago-style deep-dish pizza. It's excellent, but it's clearly not as good as New York. Joe Mixon, Kenyon Drake, Austin Eckler, Derek Henry, Nick Chubb, and Clyde Edwards-Elair. So really, Jamie, I just I think you probably would just put Sanders in this year, right? And Yeah, this is where he belongs. You know, I, I think all these guys have the same type of upside. You know, PPR is a little bit different. You know, Sanders, I think, is in a better situation than Nick Chubb, for example. He's in a better situation, in my opinion, than Derrick Henry. Um, But I think, you know, he's like, like I said, I like mixing better than him. I I think their their numbers by the end of the season, how they get there are going to be a little bit different, but they're going to be somewhat similar in terms of their total yardage and their touchdowns. The catches should be in Sanders' favor, but um, I'm hoping Mixon does a little bit more in the passing game. But I think when you look at these guys, you know, that this is the the group that has yet to do it on this level yet or has some risk attached to it. For me, Henry has risk attached to it because of his lack of work in the passing game. So um, I, I look at this group as these are the guys that are going to be awesome if you're picking in the back half of round one and the beginning of round two. These are the guys you're going to want to take with your first two picks if you want to go running back, running back. It's a great start. Um the more I'm drafting toward the back end of round one, the more I like just taking two of these guys. So yep. I'm thrilled to get two of them. Not, not Edward Hilaire. He's not in this group for me anymore uh, in, in the, the one-two turn just because of the, the offseason. Like we said, you know, a few months ago, if, if this is going to continue, then, you know, for me, I was going to dial it back and I've dialed it back with, with Edward Hilaire a little bit. So he's not in this group, but uh, I think you look at this tier. This is, uh, 
this is going to be, you know, great starting options for you. Great RB one options for you. Um, and I think you'll be thrilled to have them, but I think they are all behind the top five guys for a reason. And I think you'll get one of these running backs. If you take Michael Thomas or Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams, not necessarily in that order, just spouting names with your first pick, you just can't ignore the wide receiver. You love them. You want that safe value. So you get Thomas in round one and then someone like Drake Eckler, um, the guys we're mentioning right now, they're your round two pick. You start receiver running back and your, your team's off and running. All right. The names again, Mixon, Drake, Eckler, Derek Henry, Nick Chubb. Henry and PPR. Henry won't be there in non-PPR. He'll be in a tier above that. Clyde the non-PPR second tier is Drake, Jacobs, Eckler, and Clyde edwards Hilaire. And remember that that first tier is very deep in non-PPR. Uh, Heath, you have any reaction to this? Um, I... I mean, I hate Dave for making me say Clyde Edwards Elaire is a bust, but this is the type of ranking and uh, tiering of Clyde Edwards Elaire that makes me put him in his butt in, in my busts. I'm just, I'm not at all certain what his workload's going to be at the start of the season. I think most of these guys, except for Eckler and maybe even Eckler, but most of these guys are pretty much locked into uh, close to 275, 300 touches. And I would put Sanders in this tier. I, Listen, I don't like Joe Mixon as much as everyone else. I would probably have him one tier lower, but he's right on the border. He'd either be at the end of this tier or the start of the next one. Why is Josh Jacobs not in this tier? I know he's in tier two and non-PPR. This is PPR. But again, I'll make the Nick Chubb comparison. I mean, the the numbers in terms of carries, catches, they seem like they're pretty similar. Jacobs was a total workhorse. Um, And yards per carry almost identical too. What's the difference for you, Dave? Why Chubb in this tier, but not Jacobs? I'm a little worried about the Raiders bringing back Richard and adding Bowden. And maybe that means that they want to try and get some of those gadgety type of plays from running backs into their offense. I think adding rugs is it'll help Jacobs in that he's going to force the safeties to play back and it'll hurt Jacobs in that they'll probably pass a little bit more. And I think they'll be a little bit more effective throwing the football. I actually, I, I was thinking about getting Derek Carr in, in the Scott Fishbowl, and I did get him as my third quarterback. And at first, I was really unhappy with it. And then I sat and thought about the Raiders and how they're, they may go this year. And I started to warm up to him a little bit. I, I was happy that I got him to be my third quarterback. And I expect the Raiders to probably lean a little bit away from the run based on what they've done this offseason. Adam, I'm I'm totally with you. I would take Jacobs over Chubb. I think they're they profile very similar. I think the added offensive weapons are going to help Jacobs because I think there'll be more scoring opportunities because I do think this offense will be better. So I love the option of what Jacobs is going to bring. I hope he can get to that 30 catch threshold. You know, you wonder if the three games that he missed last year, you know, he was at 20 catches, would he have gotten, you know, the three per game to get there? You know, what whatever the case may be. Um, and he played the second half of the Chiefs game as well, you know, if you want to manipulate that. Um, but <laughs> I, I think Jacobs, to me, is a guy that in his sophomore season is going to take a step forward. Still a very good offensive line. Um, I hope he's healthy. You know, that's something that I think you have to be concerned about. But uh, for me, I, again, you know, PPR, non-PPR, I'm taking him over Henry and, and, uh, and, and Chubb this year. Okay. So those, a lot of those guys are going to go in round two. Some of them will sneak into round one. Let's go to our next group. This would be the high-risk, high-reward group. Couldn't really think of a good food. Thankfully, Twitter had me covered. And Chris Towers, actually, on our own staff, I think had the best option. High-risk, high-reward. Cheese fries. This is the cheese fries tier. If the fries are still crispy, they are God tier. If the fries get soggy, they are inedible. 
I think that's a great call. So this is cheese fries. These guys could be just great or they could be soggy and gross. Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, Josh Jacobs, James is a big tier. James Conner, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley. Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, Josh Jacobs, James Conner, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley. And I'm the outlier on Jacobs, apparently, that I'm not putting him high enough. So, And he'll probably get drafted before everybody else in this tier. So maybe for the sake of this argument, we pull Jacobs out of it. Since he'll this is higher. exactly where I'd have Jacobs. In PPR, right? Yeah, Non-PPR is a different yeah. story, but in full PPR, I'm just I'm worried about those catches not being there. I think other running backs in this tier can, not all of them, but Connor, Gordon, Gurley could catch up to him a little bit because of it. All right, Heath, weigh in on, on it then, because um, you know Jacobs is going to go ahead of these guys. Maybe not Aaron Jones, but he's going to go ahead of Carson, Connor, Gordon, and Gurley. Like, I think that's fine. Like you said, we're talking more probably about auction values and where they go in the draft. If he's at the very top of this tier and he goes right behind all those other guys in the last tier, I don't know how much it matters, but I do think he's closer to this group. Like, I don't think Josh Jacobs is injury prone. I'm not trying to say that, but one of the things we talked about before last season was at Alabama, we really hadn't seen him handle a workhorse role. He got it last year and he almost made it the whole year. We've seen Nick Chubb go over 320, 330 touches in a season. So I nothing against Josh Jacobs at all in non PPR. He'd be in the top in a higher tier for me. The yep, one yep. guy, of course, in PPR that I would have in this tier that nobody else would because everybody hates him and maybe he's just terrible in a slug is Le'Veon Bill. But I do think he fits into the high risk, high reward. If he gets 300 touches again, he's probably going to be a lot better and be at a top 10 running back. He's literally the first name on the next tier. So it's as close as you can get for me, but I'm I'm nervous about Le'Veon getting even as much work as he had last year because the vampire Frank Gore is now on the team and we'll see what P Ryan can contribute. And I don't know. Everywhere Frank Gore has gone, the running back who's been with him hasn't delivered the types of numbers that we'd hope for vampire. Um, you know, for what it's worth, Aaron Jones, this tier again is Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, Josh Jacobs, James Connor, Melvin Gordon, and Todd Gurley, Aaron Jones, Melvin Gordon, and Todd Gurley were toward the bottom of the touches list. Whereas Chris Carson and James Conner ranked pretty high. Both were, uh, sorry, Chris Carson and Josh Jacobs ranked pretty high. Both were top 10. James Conner is a total wild card. I didn't even, I didn't even look at 2019 for him. I just, you know, he left like three games with injury, but he was on pace in 2018 for 333 touches, which was, you know, really high. So I do know, I would do want to know how you guys kind of, you know, look at that and say, well, Aaron, like Chris Carson's probably going to get more touches than Aaron Jones, yet never gets drafted ahead of him. Josh Jacobs probably going to get more touches than Aaron Jones. Um, yeah, you you have some guys who have, I, I think, kind of like low to medium touch potential in this group. It's a little scary, which is hence the high risk. It's true. Uh, every time I think of James Conner, I think about how the Steelers didn't, bring in heavy competition for him. I mean, I, I was thrilled when they drafted Anthony McFarland, but is Anthony McFarland really going to take 10 touches away from, from him each week? I, I think they left themselves in a position where James Conner has to be their running back, at least their lead guy to start the year. I don't know if, how much they believe in Benny Snell, but you watch Benny Snell play, he's okay. Jalen Samuels really fell off after last year. I think that Connor's really, I think the Steelers painted themselves in a corner and until they add another 
solid back to their room. I'm 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 anticipating them giving Connor um, the type of workload that we're looking for from a third round fantasy running back pick. There was a report in the athletic uh, over the weekend um, for, I forget it's Mark something who covers the Steelers for the athletic. Bali. Um, I think so. Um, he was breaking down the, um, the, the depth chart and he had a note in there on Benny Snell that he could be the sleeper of this group. And that if something were to happen to Connor, so I'm paraphrasing, but something would happen to Connor that he could okay. be what Connor was um, replacing Le'Veon Bell a couple of years ago. So I, I think when you look at Snell last year, it's one of those things where it's almost like the entire Steelers offense, you know, did he really show you who he is? So, you know, with the healthy Roethlisberger, you know, that could be something that helps Snell. But um, I think Connor is, is a great value pick. I think he's got the chance if he's healthy to be a top 10 running back. Um, but health is clearly something that has to be taken into account with him and with Carson. I mean, you know, Carson now it's two of the last three years. He hasn't been able to finish the season. You know, so we talk about Dalvin Cook and his injury history, you know, and, and maybe Josh Jacobs as well. Carson hasn't been able to make it through a season two or three years. So, you know, that's something to take into account when you look at him. Hopefully he's fine. Um, you know, did the Seahawks tell us how they feel about Chris Carson this offseason in a good way or a bad way? You know, with uh, Carlos Hyde's addition and DJ Dallas, you know, are those guys that are going to just be similar to Frank Gore? Are they going to ruin, you know, Carson enough that um, his, his upside is not there? Or are they just, you know, guys that, uh, Dallas from a rookie standpoint, but more so hide from, you know, guy coming off his first thousand yard campaign as a result of just falling into a good situation. So it, it's hard to say, um, you know, I think Carson's in a good spot. He's, uh, he's a good number two running back, but I don't know if he's, um, if he's somebody that you want to take ahead of these guys in PPR, just given the fact that he hasn't top 40 catches yet in the season. Uh, by the way, I'm aware when I talked about the touches, I'm aware that uh, Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley are on different teams this year than they were last year, <laughs> but I still I still think the touch concerns are there. Um, last question about this group. Obviously, you're 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 super excited to draft the elite New York style cheese pizzas of McCaffrey, Elliott, Barkley, Kamara, Cook. You're very excited about Sanders, Mixon, Drake, Eckler, Henry, Chubb, Clyde Edwards, Elaire. Now we have some personal preferences in there, sure. What's your level of excitement for this group of Jones, Carson, Jacobs, Connor, Gordon, Gurley? Completely dependent on where you get them. Like in the Scott Fishbowl, James Connor felt to me in the sixth round. I was doing cartwheels. Oh, yeah. Um, if he's there in the fourth round of a regular draft, including Chris Carson, if he's there in the fourth round, I am thrilled. I'm a little a little nervous in the third round to take those guys. I have a few of them ranked as third round picks, but it, it feels a little bit suspect. And I usually take a wide receiver in that range instead. But if any of these guys fall into the fourth or fifth, I'm, thrilled yeah i'm taking jacobs around too so he's in a different category for me all righty all right let's go to the next tier of very good what did i have for this one here so this is headlined by levy on bell oh um fettuccine alfredo this is the fettuccine alfredo group here can be very good but also very risky very similar to the cheese fries actually but um Usually, fettuccine Alfredo is kind of crappy. Like, you have to go to a very good restaurant, I think, to get good fet. You don't you agree, Jamie? I do. Yeah, right? Like, you have to go to a really good Italian place or just do not do not get it. Which if maybe a lot of people are going to feel... I the fact that I agree with you, but I do. Yeah, a lot of people might feel that way about this group of Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, and Leonard Fournette. Um, it's Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, Leonard Fournette. Note... Dave apparently likes DeAndre Swift better than Jonathan Taylor. And Cam Akers, apparently. Correct. In PPR, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, in both, actually. Now, now this tier, Taylor is in this tier in non-PPR. But in PPR, he is not. 
So Bell, David Johnson, DeAndre Swift, Cam Makers, Leonard Fournette. Heath, what is this tier for you? Um, I I agree with like I don't even totally disagree with David Johnson uh, or with Le'Veon Bell falling into this tier. I think he and Johnson and Fournette all kind of fit together in that they could have very good years, but there's more risk than there is with the group above them. Um, I I don't see that same type of upside with Swift um, or Acres really. I wouldn't have them in this tier. This is actually where I'd have Clyde Edwards either. Um, and it's also not too far from where I'd put Kareem Hunt. So Heath's not going to have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in any of his leagues this year because he's not going to make it to the right. Actually, I already have him in one of my leagues because my team sucked, and I had the first overall pick in my dynasty draft, and I <laughs> took him, and so I got him on one team. That will be the only team that I have him It'll on. It'll be the only team that you have him on. I, I sit corrected. Uh, I'm looking at upside <laughs> for these guys, and I think that in the case of – uh, all of them, I think they can all probably figure their way to 1,200 yards total in some way or another. In, in the case of Swift, I don't look at Swift as someone that can help you in week one or week two. I think it's going to take him a little while, kind of like it took Miles Sanders a little while. Cam Akers might be able to beat DeAndre Swift to the starting job with his team than Swift with the Lions because just the competition there. I mean, look, it's not – Amazing competition either way for either running back, but Akers just might have a little bit of an edge to get there first. We got to see how that shakes out in training camp. And we got to see how David Johnson looks in training camp. If he ends up looking great, then he might actually pop up a tier because of the opportunity that he's got to, to play a lot. Bill O'Brien does love to run the football. I think part of the reason why they got cooks is to make sure that they've got speed on the field, whether fuller plays or not, that keeps the safeties back. I already talked about that. Um, with with uh, with Jacobs earlier on the pod, uh, I I think that there there is some upside with David Johnson, but you know what the downside is too, which is he gets hurt or he's not fast, and he gets three point three yards per carry, and you have to pray that he finds the end zone every week. So that's why he's in this group with with everybody else. I think Heath said it best: Bell, David Johnson, Leonard Fournette, they they can all be painted with the same brush. We, you know their names; they've all been great before. Who knows if they'll be even in a position to do as well again. And with Swift and Acres, it's just looking forward with them and, and hoping that they end up being the lead workhorses for their respective teams. Adam, can everything you pull Dave, up the – go ahead. No, I'm saying everything Dave said, I would apply to Jonathan Taylor. You know, if you're going to put Swift and, and Acres in the category of looking for upside, Taylor probably has it more so than both of them, just given the team that he's going to play for and the pedigree that he has coming out of Wisconsin. So he, okay. I think he's going to have an opportunity game? to – I'm sorry? Even in PPR? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I don't I don't know if uh, in the offenses that those guys play in, if we're going to see them catch the ball at a high level right away. You know, that may happen eventually, but, you know, they have to come in and prove themselves comparatively to guys who have already proven themselves. You know, Carryon Johnson with Swift is almost waiting for an injury, which has happened every year of his career. So Swift can can clearly take over the lead role if Johnson goes down. And Akers still has to prove he's better than both Daryl Henderson and for what it's worth, Malcolm Brown. I think he will be, but um, I, I think Mac is going to be a roadblock for, for uh, Jonathan Taylor early in the season yep. as well. But I think his, his uh, situation where they've already talked about the, they're happy rotating the guys early. And then I think if, uh, if Ben were here, he would tell you, and I agree with that Taylor's going to prove he's better than Marlon Mack. And, and my, my concern is I like Naheem Hines. Uh, I think I've said that, you know, enough times. I really wonder if, cause what we saw from Marlon Mack as rookie was they used him more in the passing game for the Colts if they will sort of shift Mac maybe into that role a little bit, as we see with Phillip rivers in his career throwing to his running backs. And then maybe Mac is the third down guy and not necessarily Naheem Hines, but I think Taylor is going to 
be the lead running back for the Colts sooner rather than later. He belongs in this tier. I would probably take him ahead of all the guys in this tier, to be honest with you. I just think the upside for him is uh, not necessarily round three where Ben is taking him, but in that round four or five range, I think that's where Jonathan Taylor goes. And I think if things click for him, he will be the best of this group by far. Heath, uh, what's cheating there? Uh, cough drop. Oh, okay. <laughs> is that, I could just cough. This is very sly. He was like... I was really disappointed. I thought J- Jamie or Adam would jump in with the um, speed score, one inch shorter, 15 pounds heavier, better running back, Ben Gretsch. Uh, I argue. Can we bring this up on the Twitch on Tuesday night and just tell him that Dave doesn't like Jonathan Taylor so we can hear that again? <laughs> I would be happy to. Uh, my pleasure. Okay, so um, what does this group just in general represent to you? Uh, because... You have to make some tough decisions if you want one of these guys, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Swift, Akers, Fournette, and we want to throw Jonathan Taylor in there. Okay, you're talking about T.Y. Hilton and, and Terry McLaurin and maybe even Amari Cooper if you look at ADP and Mark Andrews and Zach Ertz, some very good players at other positions. Uh, you know, So how much of a priority are these running backs in this team? Not. These are the running backs you're looking at if you don't take enough running backs early on in your draft like if you look at the running backs in this tier and the tier after and you don't want them in your lineup then you're pretty much you should commit to drafting at least two running backs with your first three picks so you don't even have to dabble with these guys i think the thing with this group is if you take uh because this is really you know the the type of guy you want to take as your third back um if you need security and a high floor you're probably looking at guys like bell and johnson and fournette the guys that have done it before uh, should be locked into lead roles on their team um, and, you know, again, have relatively good opportunities if things go right. You know, if you're looking for upside, then you're taking Taylor Swift or I said that on purpose, uh, Taylor Swift or Akers. Um, but I'm with Heath. I think I think Kareem Hunt and PPR absolutely belongs in this range, too. You know, he showed us that last year when he uh, when he came back from suspension. Hopefully he gets a little bit bigger role in terms of carrying the ball after a full uh, whatever the offseason has been, but a full you know opportunity to to be with the team. Um, so Hunt is in this, in this range also for me and PPR as well. So I, I think when you look at these guys, uh, if you go two backs, two receivers, some combination of that, you know, and you're looking for your third running back here, um, upside again is, is the rookies, uh, you know, security is probably the, the, the veteran guys that, you know, hopefully don't fall off the, the map because of either guys behind them or their coaches not liking them. So let me, let me, you know, challenge you, I guess a little bit on Kareem Hunt. 43 carries, 37 catches in eight games. I, I get it. Like That's nice. 74 catches. It's really good per 16 games. But it's a, that's a really small workload. And I, like, why would he be here and not Tariq Cohen? He only scored, like, with that really small workload, he only scored three touchdowns, I think, in those eight games. Yeah, he did. And he was still easily a top 20 running back, and we're sitting around running back 24 right now. Yeah, but he has, but in that role, he has no chance of being a star. And, like, obviously, if Nick Chubb gets hurt, Kareem Hunt's going to be potential fantasy winner. But if that's just his role of, you know, 80, 86 carries and 74 catches, that's Tariq that's well, Cohen. And, and I tried to like I no I think he's I've got Tariq Cohen very close to this in the projections I think they're very close other than the fact that Hunt has league winning upside if something happens to Chubb. Well, Hunt could also get carries though. I mean, could, Tariq Cohen's not going to get the same type of carries that that Kareem Hunt has the capable capabilities of. Right. Yeah. 
But, but he did like, I think year. when we were discussing Chubb, we didn't mention like the Stefanski thing could mean that there's just more carries for Chubb and Hunt both. Yeah. I find it hard that there's going to be more for Chubb if Hunt is getting more work. I don't think you can have Hunt in this range in your tiers if you've got Chubb in your first two tiers. I just don't think there's enough to go around. I agree with you guys that they could theoretically run the ball a little bit more, play at a slower pace, lean on those running backs. That's what I would do if I were in charge of the Browns. But I, I can't see how you can have Chubb in a top 12 type of ranking and have Kareem Hunt in the conversation in like around 24th overall among running backs. Well, this I, is I find it hard to believe that that's where they're both going to end up being, even in full PPR. Well, I mean, this over 16 is, games last year, that's where they would have been. Right. Um, like maybe one of these things is wrong with my projections, but I've got Chubb at about 1,500 rushing yards, 150 catching, receiving 11 touchdowns. Yeah, he like your lips. You know, again, going back to you know him versus Jacobs, as Adam brought brought up the point. If you look at the way Chubb finished the season, and how Jacobs was the majority of the season, they're very similar. Well, let me give you these numbers. All right, and then I got I got one more number. Last eight games of the year for for Chubb and Hunt. This is when Hunt came back. Nick Chubb was the number sixteen PPR running back, and Kareem Hunt was the number seventeen PPR running back. Now Chubb, just based on the workload he had has a lot of room to grow from there because he had only he had 144 carries, which was second most in the NFL in that stretch, and only two rushing touchdowns. Um, Hunt was the number 17 running back, but here's the just the problem I see with that is like, that's great, but it's kind of like a, it feels like a ceiling. If, if his workload does not increase, it's just, it's no involvement in the running game, very, very little involvement in the running game, and all you're banking on is these catches, and we are talking about running backs right now that are going in like the fourth round. You imagine taking Kareem Hunt in the fourth round over no, the I guys. Think this, I think this group spans a few rounds, you know, because I don't think I know Dave likes Swift. Swift is not going in the fourth round. I agree. He's this this range. You'll see it on the site. It's rounds four and five, and you might disagree with Swift in round five, and that's okay. I don't mind taking him then. No, I and and I get you know again, it's your tears. You're going to tell people to take them where he should go. I don't think we're going to see ADP reflect Swift in round five unless Carryon Johnson gets hurt. So I, I think we're going to see carry on gets right. Back. He'll go higher, but I, I I don't think we're going to see Swift if he's coming in as the the second guy. Uh, th- these are more like round six guys, and again, you know, Jonathan Taylor is probably more of a round five guy than he is a round four guy. Uh, you know, even though Ben's taking round three, so I, I think it's going to all be sort of you know dependent on on format. And I know we're talking PPR here, but uh, Hunt is one of those guys that's almost like a, a you know one and a half two round swing for me. I don't know where you have him, Heath, but you know PPR versus non PPR because I do think PPR favors uh, what he should be able to do. I'm counting on Hunt getting more work in the run game. You know, so that's why I'm a little bit down on Chubb, a little bit higher on Hunt in this format. I do think that the, the role that he had in the passing game will be somewhat similar to what we saw last year, even though it's a new coaching staff. The one thing about it is, and like you said, Adam, you know, league winning upside, this is a former rushing champion. You know, he's, he's essentially, you know, two and a half years removed from leading the NFL in rushing. And what we saw from him in 2018 before he, you know, got kicked off, kicked out of the league was, you know, another strong performance. So he's still young enough. He's in a great situation. Offensive line is going to be great. You know, if the system is is what we expect it to be, Stefanski bringing what he did in Minnesota to Cleveland, I think they're going to use both backs. So I do think both guys have an opportunity to be top 15 caliber type of guys, more so Chubb than Hunt because of the touchdown potential. But I think if you're getting Kareem Hunt anywhere after round five in PPR, you're going to be thrilled about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So round five, I guess, would be the sweet spot. And that's where he's going. He's the late round five pick right now in NFC average draft position, which is very, very high on running backs. Uh, the next group 
is the number three running backs with less upside. I did not have a really clever food for this one. If you guys have one, feel Hip free. One. It's number three running backs with high upside. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. This is the one I didn't have a good food name for. Mark Ingram, Jonathan Taylor, David Montgomery, Devin Singletary, and Raheem Mostert. Mark Ingram. These are the foods that you've never had before, but they have potential to be your favorite foods. Except Mark, In- Mark Ingram, which would be... Uh, no, I'm talking fantasy upside. I still think that Mark Ingram has some good upside. Yeah, but we've... We're talking about he's like not, Mark Ingram as a food. We've all had Mark Ingram before. Right, that's what I'm saying. You know, he's... He's pizza. We've had it, but he's great. Mark Ingram, Jonathan Taylor, David Maybe he's Montgomery. he's a pizza with a cauliflower crust. <laughs> I haven't quite had that yet. Maybe it could be oh. your new favorite. Okay, so... Um, Probably not, because cauliflower crust stinks. Go ahead, Adam. There are a lot of touches available here. I mean, David Montgomery, Devin Singletary, like in his last like six games, I think he had the second most carries in the NFL, fourth most carries, something like yeah. that. They really rode him. Um. What do you think about this tier, Dave? Uh, you should this should be your number three running back, number three running back with high upside. I like I like viewing these guys strictly as number three in PPR. I would move Ingram up in non PPR. I still think he can do it, especially in that offense. So uh, full PPR, these are the guys that you kind of hope fall into your lap in in the round six ish range. I'm not going to fight with you on whether or not Kareem Hunt belongs in this tier. Um, obviously, Jamie thinks he belongs at least in this tier, if not a little bit higher. He's probably the same. I'm not there yet, but I do think these guys all have a chance to be um, strong contributors to your squad, usable as a flex in case you're thin on receiver, tight end, and PPR, and definitely great bench depth. Okay. Again, it was Ingram, Taylor, Montgomery, Singletary, and Mostert. Who's your favorite for J- for? Dave, it's Mark Ingram. Jamie Heath, who's your favorite in this group of five? Probably Montgomery. No, it's okay. Taylor. For You like Montgomery? Oh, over well, again, I think Taylor's in a different group. So right, so why don't you throw Taylor out? Because I know you love yeah, him. Yeah, it, it'd probably be Montgomery. You know, I mean, you know, you talk about what the volume could be for him again after what he did in his rookie season. You know, hopefully they're still going to stick with him. Every indication seems to be that that's the case. Um, you know he's not going to be a huge factor on passing downs. But again, if he can get to that maybe 30 threshold, that would be something that I think you look at and say, okay, he can build off what he did last year. I don't think he's as bad as what he showed us in his rookie campaign. So if you're saying 250 plus carries again, I'll buy into that in this spot. And on that same note, then Jamie is just get ready for the Jamie giggle because he's going to love this. Um, Tariq Cohen should be in this tier. I don't mind it. I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, with, with Cam now, James White potentially too, you know, they're, they're both going to be the chance for, you know, 70 plus catches if things go their way. And so that's hard to overlook, and, and especially what Cohen showed us two years ago. I think they're in the next tier for Dave, which is number three running backs with less upside. So, Heath, can you kind of buy that explanation that Tariq Cohen does not have as much upside as Devin Singletary, David Montgomery, Mark Ingram, it's Raheem Mostert? I would 100% buy that in half PPR. It's not even close in non-PPR. I don't know that I necessarily believe that David Montgomery and Devin Singletary have top 10 upside. And I do think Tariq Cohen has top 15 upside. So I don't know in PPR at least. So I don't know what the big distinction and upside would be in that format between them. Okay. They just have to have those, those touchdown years. You know, that's the thing. Cause you know, they're going to catch the ball. It's, it's what we saw from James white two years ago. You know, it's what we saw from Tariq Cohen two years ago or, you know, white two or three years ago, you know, when he's done it multiple times, but you know, it's when those guys are are converting, you know, end zone opportunities when they get them. 
And that's what makes them go from good in PPR to great in PPR. And you're like, oh, I wish I would have drafted this guy sooner. Or in some cases, when they let you down like they did a year ago, man, it's tough to trust those guys even when they're catching the ball at such a high rate. All right, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, it's peanut butter jelly time. That is the name of the next tier. Not a lot of upside, but, you know, it's peanut butter and jelly. You know what you're getting. Always, I had peanut butter and jelly this afternoon. Uh, So anyway, uh, that's coming up right after this break on Fantasy Football Today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. I have a peanut butter and jelly question for you. You got two pieces of bread. Do you like? Do you just put peanut butter all on one bread, on one slice, and jelly on the other? Or do you put both on both? How do you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? I used to be just one on one on one, one on the other, but my wife uh, has always done peanut butter on both sides because she says it makes the jelly less soggy, I guess, or drippy. Um, mm. So uh, she's got me into doing that. So now I do peanut butter on both sides. That's interesting. Dave, nothing to contribute here? Uh, no, I mean, I just usually slop. I don't even get to the second piece of bread. Usually I, I put, I take out a piece of bread, I put on the peanut butter, put on the jelly, and then... I just eat it like a taco, <laughs> like a one piece of bread. And then I just go and get the next piece of bread and it's a machine and I weigh 300 pounds. I, uh, <laughs> I feel really left out of this entire food conversation because basically like everything that you have suggested as a food type right now, I've not eaten in like a year. So it's fun. Oh, it's all gluten stuff. I think every single thing you've chosen so far may, may have yeah. uh, gluten in it. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a pro gluten. <laughs> um, Heath, when you make a sandwich, how do you cut it? Square, like rectangle, triangle? I've never cut a sandwich. You just like, 
Even when I ate sandwiches a long time ago, I never, I don't know why I would cut a sandwich. Easier to eat. It's not that hard to eat a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you just eat the same. Like, I, um, I understand like you, you cut them for kids maybe, um, but I've never cut a sandwich for myself. I could see Adam, not only does he cut it into triangles because that's definitely an Adam Azer thing. He cuts the crust off for himself too. Small triangles too. I like rectangles. Double triangle for Adam, so he's got four little triangles. My wife is adamant <laughs> about the triangles, so like I, I, I'm almost afraid to cut rectangles in front of her. <laughs> and I like the crust. She does not. Do you guys eat the uh, ends of the loaf? You know. Yes, no. baker does. No, I, I like the those. heel. Well, you know the heel, whatever you want to call it. Sure. My uh, older son, that's his favorite part of the bread, so he always eats the heel. That I feel like I'm saving calories bizarre. by eating that part. You think so? Small. It's probably the healthiest part. All right. Anyway, uh, this is the peanut butter and jelly tier. Number three running backs with less upside. Kareem Hunt, Ronald Jones, Zach Moss, J.K. Dobbins, Tariq Cohen, James White, Keyshawn Vaughn, and Marlon Mack. Kareem Hunt, Ronald Jones, Zach Moss, J.K. Dobbins, Tariq Cohen, James White, Keyshawn Vaughn, and Marlon Mack. Where's Damian Williams? No kidding. Come on, Dave. I think we missed him in the uh, number three running backs with high upside portion. I think that's where he was. Where's Ronald Jones, too? He's in this one. He is here. Ronald Jones is in this tier. And he might be moving up because I'm kind of seeing what maybe the Bucs are seeing with him. But that's that's another story. Uh, These are guys where things could go right, things could go wrong. I disagree about them being peanut butter and jelly. They might be. I don't know. I don't. Well, know Dave, you think peanut butter and jelly a is a taco, so I don't really. Like, I don't really know. Fair but, point. Yeah. Um, but but I I feel like there's there's definitely at least one thing wrong, one big thing wrong with everybody's situation in this tier, and it's obvious. You know, in the case of like Kareem Hunt, he's splitting. J.K. Dobbins, he's a rookie. Ronald Jones, we don't know how long he's gonna hang on to the job for, even though we think he's pretty good. So. It, it, I think it's built into their draft value because now we're talking about the middle of the draft where you're getting these guys and there's not as much risk and there's still some good reward because if the thing that is wrong with them at the onset of the season goes away, then they're going to be outstanding. I would disagree with J.K. Dobbins being described as low upside in Same. any uh, anyway. Yep. Um, I think I think there's a chance that he just takes the job from Mark Ingram in the second half. But if something happens to Mark Ingram, he has enormous upside. Yeah, I'm I think worried that they've got the too many running backs in Baltimore. I think I think it's the same with with Kareem Hunt. If those guys get into starting opportunities, they are going to be top five caliber type of running backs, just given the offenses that they're going to play in. So I wouldn't necessarily label them as low upside type of players. Um, I think they certainly I have high. And no, I, I, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying like you know the way Adam described it. So. I think these guys have the chance to be, you know, superstar caliber, um, but you can't draft them higher than this. You know, that's kind of the reason why you have to take them in this range, because like Dave said, there is something that's kind of in the way. And I do think that Damian Williams belongs in this. You know, uh, we got a question, um, I think it was two weeks ago. Would you take Edward Tillaire in round two and round six? And I think I I said, yes. I mean, that's where we're talking about these guys right now. You know, so uh, I know I'm on the uh, high end. Like Heath, I know would take Damian Williams here and Dave would take Edward Tillaire earlier. Um, I don't think it's a bad idea to take both because you may end up with, you know, just a, a great opportunity to have a, a superstar running back. I do think Damian Williams is going to have some very good weeks and probably earlier in the season by comparison to what uh, his role will be. 
you know, a lot of people might be listening to this saying, what, Kareem Hunt, Ronald Jones, Zach Moss, J.K. Dobbins, these guys are number threes? No, I want them to be number fours. Uh, in, in PPR, though, I mean, I think they very well could be number three running backs for you, and then you grab Tevin Coleman, Damian Williams. Damian Williams is going a little earlier, but, you know, you, some of the other names we're going to mention, uh, because in PPR, you might only start two running backs a week. It might have been your first two picks. Then you go receiver, receiver, Dak Prescott, uh, Zachary, you know, you build out the rest of your roster and you don't really, you're not all that dependent on running backs, at least not when you draft, you pick guys up off the waiver wire or whatever. So I could see that. Um, I'd also put Mostert in this group too. I think Mostert, you know, given the, the trade request and not knowing what's going to happen, you know, depending on when you're drafting, but um, they're also going to use a lot of running backs too. All right. I would have Mostert and Tevin Coleman in the same tier. Um, High end backups is the next group and I'm calling that Mac and cheese. Why? Because, like, let's say you just brought home dinner, but you tripped on your front step and you threw your food all over the place and everything spilled everywhere and you don't have dinner anymore. You make some mac and cheese. That, that is just a high-end backup option. No issues. Matt Breida, Jordan Howard, Darius Geis, Sony Michelle, Alexander Madison, Daryl Henderson, Damian Williams. Come on, Dave. Move him up. All right. Yeah, move him up. Sorry. Philip Lindsay, Antonio Gibson, and Naeem Hines. A lot of names. Let me read it again. Brita, Jordan Howard, Geis, Michelle, Madison, Daryl Henderson, Damian Williams, Philip Lindsay, Antonio Gibson, and Naeem Hines. So, uh, Heath, just, just, just bench depth here, solid backups. Yeah. And I'm like, since we did this um, with mine on the quarterback rankings, I don't feel as bad doing this. Did we miss Kerry on Johnson? Nope. He's a lower tier for me. Um, I am not a carry on fan, but most of these guys, like I would prefer oh, no, Karen's at the very bottom of this year. Oh, I missed them. Okay. That's my fault. I missed them. What's that? I'm, I, the last I missed name on the list. Adam didn't read them. Oh, there we go. Yeah. My bad. Carry on. Johnson is in this group. Last one. Then I agree completely with everything except for <laughs> Damian Williams being two tiers too low. I probably would put guys in the, in the tier above too, just because if he's ever going to be healthy, He's got league-winning upside. But they're going to share. There's going to be so much sharing in Washington. He'd have to be... He would have to be outstanding in training camp, and he'd have to stay healthy. And that's just to fend off Adrian Peterson from getting work. I think Gibson's going to have a significant role. It's not to say that Gibson and Geis couldn't play at the same time because I think the offense is moving in a creative direction in Washington, but I don't know. I think I think the Red Tails could could be mixing and matching running backs all year long. So do not draft a Dolphins running back to be your starter. Do not draft Sony Michelle. Unless you're going zero RB, which I don't recommend this year so much as in previous years. I might have recommended it in PPR. I won't do it this year. But if you are inclined to do that, you know, Jordan Howard, you can use him. Week one against the Patriots, they reshuffled their linebackers. Could be okay. Okay, so that is uh, the high-end backups. Now we go to the solid backups, which is the frozen chicken nuggets tier. All right, we dropped all of our food. We ran out of mac and cheese. Just throw some frozen chicken nuggets in the toaster oven. 12 minutes on, on 375 degrees, no big deal. I'm intrigued that PB&J is ahead of both mac and cheese and frozen chicken nuggets for you. Since PB&J takes less work than those other two foods to prepare. That's a great point. And they mm. are better. And like, there's no chance that you make frozen chicken nuggets and they like make your day. These guys 
you could draft them late in the draft and one thing happens and they could win you your league. That's right. Tony Pollard, Chase Edmonds, Tevin Coleman, Latavius Murray, and A.J. Dillon. It's true. They're all an injury away from being absolute well, We don't know about Dillon, really. I'm I'm uh, speculating that they drafted Dillon for, for a reason and that they probably don't love Jamal Williams. Yeah, he'd, he'd, be, he'd be the guy. All right. And then finally, we have bench depth, which is I call the salad tier. Ryquel Armstead, Boston Scott. I got to something I can eat. <laughs> Congratulations, Heath. You get what's this is, left. This is what zero RB feels like, guys. <laughs> uh, Ryquel Armstead, Boston Scott, Duke Johnson, Darrington Evans, Josh Kelly, Anthony McFarland, Damian Harris, DJ Dallas, Justin Jackson, Carlos Hyde, and Malcolm Brown. I know there's a lot yep. there, but but let me ask, like, why um, why are Tony Pollard and and Chase Edmonds in the, the tier above this group that has Ryquel Armstead and Darrington Evans. Because I think if if Pollard and Edmonds got the opportunity to be lead backs for their teams, they wouldn't be quite as good as the running backs that are there, but they could still be 70% of that. Whereas I don't know if Rock Armstead's going to be as good as Leonard Fournette was last year. Yeah, so, okay. one game. Yeah, but I don't know if he could do it week in and week out. All right, cool. I think I think Pollard would be awesome if if Zeke were to miss time and Pollard was the main back in Dallas. Yeah, I think Edmonds and Pollard personally should be up in the Madison tier and maybe just a little bit ahead of him. Well, the only reason why Madison they were ahead of Madison at one point, but when Dalvin Cook, you know, started talking about holdouts, I think that pushed Madison's value up a little bit more. All right, so Dave, let's let's talk about this. What what's the deal with uh, with Damon Williams? Why <laughs> why? Uh... Why aren't you feeling it? I feel like I've got to jump in the time machine and, you know, just spout off what Jamie said right after the draft when he was going nuts for Edwards Alaire. Damon Williams has never gotten the job done in the regular season unless it was like late in the season and then in the playoffs. They drafted Edwards Alaire. It's the most draft capital that Andy Reid has used on a running back. He fits into that offense really, really well. And if Edwards Alaire has a really good camp and Damian Williams does what he's done every year of his career up to this point, it's going to be a runaway for CEH to have a big season. Runaway. I like it. Nice pun. Let's have some dinner, everybody. Some salad, some gluten, a lot of gluten, more gluten. And uh, I think yeah, I, you're a jerk. I'm, <laughs> I'm making some type of chicken dish tonight. So I'm going to go get on that. And uh, we'll talk to you on Twitch, twitch.com slash FF today, 7 p.m. Eastern Tuesday night. Dave for James Reed. I'm Adam. See you there. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.